these words have been known to make Supreme Court justices stop what they do at one o'clock and go and watch. To make celebrities go gaga over this time and the people who are a part of it, a part of it. And it all begins with those very familiar, perhaps famous words. As the sands in the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. You ever watch that show? No. You watch something like it, I'm sure. You have your soap operas. You have your novellas. I know. It's okay. Some of them have been around longer than others, but they all kind of go around the same thing, right? The days of the lives of somebody. If you ever think about that, that hourglass image, sands of the hourglass, and that being the days of our life, we all know what an hourglass looks like, right? It's something you have, and it might be small, it might be bigger, and you just flip it over, and as soon as you do, one by one, little sands of, of, of little grains of sand start coming down. And they start coming down. And they start piling up, right? And then what started out as a little mound of sand grows into a big mound of sand. And you look up and you look up and the sand just keeps coming and just keeps coming. It's like you're drowning away. And eventually, depending on how big your hourglass might be, if you're lucky enough, it stops. And there's nothing up there. Now, depending on what kind of day you're having or what's going on in your life, that might feel like your life sometimes. Just looking up and up and having days upon days upon days piled on you and you can't get above those days. And we we want to try to make some kind of meaning out of those days. We want to try to make something happen good in those days. And so we try to move around. We try to get above the hill. But those days just keep coming and keep coming coming. Friends, that image is not the image I want to have. Not the kind of days I want to have in my life. And I don't think it's the kind of days God wants us to have for our lives as well. So I want to show you today, I think, what the Apostle Paul might be reminding us about uh, our life together for us today. Now, remember that Paul is writing to the Philippian church, and we've been looking at uh, this letter he gave to them. He's writing to them from prison. And I have to kind of wonder that as I hear Paul's words, that there came a point in his life, those days kept adding on, where he began to feel a bit underwhelmed with life. Now, to understand that, you realize everything that he had to brag about, everything that could have been overwhelming for him, that could have been something he could be very proud of. At the first part of the passage that we read, he gives that short list, right, of things that he is proud of. Now, we realize that Paul is, well, he's got stuff to be proud of. And he's kind of like that guy at the party who always has a better story than you do, you know. You thought your your joke was funny or you had a good story, but then somebody says, well, wait a minute, listen to this. That's kind of like Paul. He says, you know, anything you have to be proud of, guess what? I have something more talks about being circumcised, which was a big deal in his community. talks about being from a particular tribe, which was a big deal. talks about being a Pharisee. talks about being blameless and zealous. And what we realize about that list that he is so proud of is that everything on that list is religious. Now, I think there's two pretty good reasons why that is. First, 
If you think about who he's writing to and the concerns that he has in that church and other churches like it, Paul has come along before and he's taught them that everything we do is a response. And the only thing we require to live into God's will is faith. But other people come along and say, well, wait a minute, there's still certain parts of the law you have to do. There's still certain things that if you don't do, God won't accept you. And for Paul, that's blasphemy. The only thing required is faith. The second reason I think his list is so related to religious stuff, because that's just, that was life for him. And it wasn't uncommon for anybody else. Today, we tend to think, well, you know, I have my home life, my personal life, I have my work life, and I have my social life, and I even have my church life. And I don't think that's, that's the way it was for Paul, or for very many people of his day. Who they were religiously is who they were in life. It's how they interacted with people at work or, or anywhere else. So there was no need to break anything up as well. And to be sure, we could look at Paul's list and think, well, that's kind of silly, all this religious stuff. But we kind of do the same thing, don't we? Sometimes. Have you ever, ever met someone like I have who's told you, wanted you to know? I have perfect attendance in Sunday school. Now, you know, I'm just going to say it, and you can let it be what it want to be. You know, I've been sick before. I've been on vacations before. But I haven't missed church in over 10 years, y'all. Come on. Yeah. Now, or, or maybe you've met somebody who said, I've been on every church committee four times. When the pastor can't figure out what to preach about, he calls me. I've read the Bible from the front to the back a dozen times, and just for grins, I've read it in the King James Version. So take your little modern translation, huh? See, we know that right now. Still, most of us don't base the success of our lives on small things like that. Usually, if we have things that we're so very proud of, it has to do with our success at work. Something about our job or something about our business. Or maybe it's something about something we've done as a family, things we've been able to accomplish. We take pride in our social life. We take pride. Maybe if you've ever known someone who's come from a very particular kind of life into the church and all they ever want to do is talk about that old life. Oh, man, back in the day, I used to. Mm, 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 mm. And they take pride in all of that. What we see is that's kind of the same thing Paul is talking about. While we may not re- relate every success we have to something religious, we do have this tendency to relate who we are and our successes to something. Does that make sense? Now, Paul does something very good, I think. Like Paul, I think we can begin to realize that all of those things, even as much as we can add them up, can become very underwhelming. Paul makes this great statement in verse 7. It may not come off as a great statement, but he says, All these things I have come to regard as loss. I have come to regard as loss. I have come to regard. That kind of indicates to me that this is something Paul has learned over time. 
that he didn't just wake up one morning and say, you know what, that Pharisee business never did anything for me. But that maybe somewhere along the line, maybe as he thought he knew it all, he met somebody else who actually knew more than him. Or that maybe when he took so much pride in being a certain type of person, somebody else came along and showed him his place. And he realized that those things that he was so very proud of really didn't amount to much because it was always somebody else who had that or something better. Y'all with me? And so Paul says, I have come to regard those things as lost. I have learned to. See, and you and I, I think we can, we can agree with that. We can amen that. That we know those kinds of things don't really add up to anything. When someone passes away, a family or close friends, they don't mourn and say, oh, the businessman has gone. They mourn the life of a person, what that person contributed to their life or to the people around them, because those are the things that really matter. See, we know that. We understand that. And yet, God forgive us, we give so much energy, we put so much time, we put so much confidence We put so much of ourselves, so much of who we are, so much of our pride into those kinds of things. And we have all these things together. And then somewhere in the middle of all that, we want to throw God in it because we want to make sure we're okay. And so we've got God up there with everything else. And we're feeling good because, hey, you know what? I've got God in my life. But I think Paul, as he had come to regard those things as lost, learned that God is not a part of our life. We are a part of God's life. And that when we understand that equation that Paul is giving, we begin to understand that we have different attentions we need to give. That we have to understand that the way we structure our time and our life has to reflect that equation of loss and gain. Paul says a couple of times that, you know, those things are lost, but I've gained something else in Christ. And it's only when we understand that relationship between us and God that we are a part of God's life that we really understand, I think, that losing all of that really doesn't matter because we gain Christ in the process. And that, friends, is what matters. We have to understand the loss-gain equation that Paul gives us. And we have to understand that those things that we want to just throw God into, Paul says, are rubbish, junk, or trash. And friends, I think if we look at what that word is and we look at the language, I think those are nice words. Hmm? Those things are trash. And sometimes, like I'm reminded just about every day at home, it's time to take out the trash. Y'all with me? Because the trash is piling over. You can't stuff anything else in there. 
You ever lost something in the trash that you didn't mean to throw away and you go and look for it? Don't you always feel so, ugh? You're just picking through banana peels and old bags and Coke cans are dripping everywhere. And you think, when did we eat that? And you're going through and you're looking, ugh. Sometimes it's time to take out the trash. Those things that we have let have more control of our life than God. It's time to think about taking them out. Now, understand what I'm saying, though. Paul says all things are lost, and I agree with him that all things are lost because of the gain we have in knowing Christ. But I still have a feeling that the Apostle Paul was thankful for his training as a Pharisee, thankful for the things that he was able to learn, and thankful for the... the, his citizenship and his status, because all of those things helped him do God's work. And so we may have accomplished something in life that we, can, we are proud of. Maybe it's a certain position at work, or maybe it's whatever it is. You can make up your mind. You know what you deal with or what you go through and what you do. But it's when those things become the gain that we lose Christ. Are you all with me? It's when the garbage when the garbage becomes what we want to look for. And we notice the difference that with Paul, it was because of Christ that those things were lost. But with Christ, those things can be meaningful. Because of his work as a Pharisee, because of his zeal, because of the way Paul was, great things happened in the kingdom of God. But what we realize is that What was important before is something different than what is important now. Before, for Paul, having those things and becoming more and more of those things was important. But now, something else is. Before, those things were the prize. But now, Paul says in verse 10, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. You see, some people stop at knowing Christ. Sometimes a preacher will ask you, well, do you know Jesus as your Savior? And you say, yep. And they say, okay, I'm done. Let me move on. But Paul says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Paul, who had gained so much in his life, Paul, who had accomplished so much, tells us that even he had not reached the goal that he wanted to reach. That there was still something more he needed and wanted to know about God. And that was Christ and the power of his resurrection. And that tells us, friends, that you and I need to keep continuing to learn how we know Christ and the power of his resurrection. I'm convinced, friends, that each day of our life is not like the sands in the hourglass, pouring over us nonstop, suffocating us, beating us and breaking us down, toppling over over us as we just wait for the nothing up there. I believe each day is a new day, a new day that you and I can know God more fully a new day that brings us closer to the prize of the heavenly call. 
a new day that helps us know the power of Christ's resurrection. Because, friends, everything else is garbage. And knowing Christ and the re- power of his resurrection, friends, those are the days of our lives. Would you pray with me? God, knowing you is the only gain we can have. So we ask for your forgiveness when we have sought out other things. When we have given more of ourselves to knowing about other things more than knowing you and the power of your resurrection. And we ask that today you would help us, God, and you would make us new. We pray to you for the newness of heart and the newness of life, God, that we could know indeed your Son and the power of his resurrection. Together in his name we pray. Amen.